for just about everything for the outdoors, go to MidwayUSA.com. I'm Erica Lynn, and we all know the ocean is the most demanding environment on Earth, consistently testing the reliability and durability of our equipment. When you spend as much time fishing as I do, you know that reliable gear is essential for staying on the water. This is why I went with Abyss Battery to power my trolling motor, electronics, and outboard. The guys at Abyss Battery are rattling the saltwater industry by manufacturing performance marine batteries specifically designed for sonar, outboards, trolling motors, and electronic fishing reels. They're also Bluetooth compatible, so I found check Checking battery statuses right on your phone while you're out on the water is a huge game changer. To learn more about why Abyss batteries are used by the pros and factory installed by Premier Boat Builders, visit abyssbattery.com. After years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by overpriced wireless providers, if we've learned anything, it's that there's always a catch. So when I heard that Mint Mobile wireless plans are $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan, I thought, What's the catch? But after talking to them, it all made sense. There isn't one. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they sell wireless service online. They cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet savings directly to you. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com waypoint. That's mintmobile.com waypoint. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash waypoint. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Today is June 22nd, 2021, and I just want to take a quick second and tell all the dads out there listening, happy Father's Day, belated Father's Day. Go get yourself a beer, a whiskey, something, getting a quiet space with no kids and just drink it and reflect for 15 minutes. So happy belated Father's Day to everybody out there. But today is going to be a good one. We're talking all things trail cams in the summer months. Is it worth it getting them out or isn't worth it? So today's podcast is all about that. All right, all right. Welcome to the Fall Podcast. I'm your host, Aaron Blasey, and today's episode is 166. And like I said just a little bit ago, today's episode is all about trail cams. I got a good buddy on with me, Tyler Bentley, and we just BS for a little while talking about trail cams in the summer, when we get them out, why we get them out so early, you know, what the deer are doing right now, what information it gives us right now to have them out. Like, is it worth it? I don't know. To some people, it might not be worth it. To some people, it might be worth it. We get into a couple little hacks that we've learned over the years from other people about what to do with ants getting your camera and then storing your camera in the winter. So we get into that as well. So it's a, it's a quick one, but uh, I think it's one that a lot of people are talking about right now. So we want to get one out. And uh, yeah, with that being said, I'm going to get over this interview with Tyler. I just want to remind you guys, thank you very much for all the support, all the downloads. It is greatly appreciated. And here's this interview with me and Tyler. All right, welcome back to the Fall Podcast. In today's podcast, I've got a guest, Tyler Bentley, my good buddy on here. We've done a few podcasts together. Our you know, most recent one was our live turkey kill. And uh, that was pretty badass. I'm not going to lie to you. A lot of people downloaded that. I don't think I've told you that. A lot of people downloaded that and uh, really liked I got a lot of good feedback on that one. 
Yeah, that was pretty nuts, dude. Like, I don't know if we'll be able to one-up that one in this podcast. <laughs> okay, so in your opinion, now now that it's all happened, I I wanted to talk about all trail cams today and doing it in June, July, but I just came up with something here. I want to get your thoughts on it. You and I kind of haven't talked about it since, you know, the dust has settled and everything. Looking back at that now, like, how was that experience to you, you know, straight up, like, was, like, where did that rate, like, was on the cool factor, like, was that cool or was it like, that was neat, but as a turkey kind of thing, like, what were you at with it? Dude, it was sweet. It was like, I mean, if you just saw, I mean, anyone who watched the video, it was like we shot 150 inch buck. Like, we were about to fuck the pine <laughs> over. We were so excited. And uh, I think it was just because we didn't really think it was going to happen. And we were so just like, all right, we'll see, you know. And then, you know, birds hammering. And then we shot him and we we're just freaking out, dude, losing our minds. So, um, I mean, even though it's just a turkey, it's still like such a sweet memory. It's so cool how it all went down. And then obviously to have it on a podcast live, um, you know, everybody got to hear the bird goblin coming in, coming in and then us whispering. And I mean, if you think about what we did, we shot a turkey in a live podcast. That's pretty, pretty sweet. I don't know if it's been done before, so it's pretty cool. I don't know either. And I, and I named the podcast, the first ever turkey killed on a live podcast. I could be nice. completely wrong, but I don't know, you know, if, if to my knowledge, that's the first one and only one that's ever been done. So hopefully it might be a trend. Like let's get other people, other podcasters out there doing, it. I think it's kind of neat. But Dude, we might might have raised the bar here if we can do that with some deer. <laughs> I know if we can do it with a deer. Hey, I'm gonna try it this fall. I think I'm gonna try it, and uh, yeah, if we can sweet. do that, that'd be pretty cool. But that's cool to hear you say that. You know, and honestly, when we were walking back, you know, to the back of the property, and we heard that bird gobble. I'm not going to lie to you. I was a little cocky. I felt to myself, I never told you, but I almost felt like I already had him killed because <laughs> for him just to strike up without any calling or anything, just like gobbling, to me, I felt like that bird is looking for a hen. Like he was by himself. Like that was my first initial thought. Like he's a loner. Like he's he's just looking for some love. Like he's going to come right. in. And what, what did it take? Like 37 minutes? Is that what it was for him to commit? Dude, it wasn't long. I mean, we weren't in the blind long. It felt, felt quick. Yeah. I don't know. It was badass. I had a lot of fun doing it. We're going to have to do it again next year, I think, and keep <laughs> it going. It's not going to go that easy next year, I don't no. think, or ever again. <laughs> no, it will not. No. So I guess with that out of the way, I, I want to get into today's topic. And, you know, I wanted to discuss with you, you run a lot of trail cams. You know, we're in mid-June right now. This is going to drop here in a couple days. And, you know, a lot of people are, you know, the big topic right now with whitetails is trail cams. Trail cams, trail cams, trail cams. You know, the velvet's going to start hunting here, start growing. Actually, it is growing. You know, the, vel <laughs> the velvet <laughs> rut, as I would like to call it, you know, it's, it's getting to be in full force. And it made me start thinking about this because the other day I was working on my house. We're building the house and, and you know, you've been to that property quite a bit and I can see a lot, you know, a lot of the ag around me and the deer. Well, I saw a buck come out in the beans one night when we were building. Um, and he was already wider than his ears. So I'm like, well, shit, like, Oh yeah. You know, they got some bone on their head right now. That's for sure. Yeah. And I don't have a trail cam out yet. So my whole, my, or I don't know how, what you even call it, but the way I kind of go about trail cams is I usually don't get them out until right around the first week of July. And okay. my whole reasoning is just because 
I, I just try to keep my pressure low and, you know, a lot of deer, you, you can kind of start to see what deer they are from year to year around that time. So I guess like today, what I want to talk about is, you know, a lot of people think putting trail cams out in June, July could be a waste of time. A lot of people run trail cams all year round. I guess, where's your head at on trail cams? Are you running them year round or are you taking them down, you know, kind of getting them out of the, the weather, trying to keep the longevity up. Like what's, where's your head at? Like what's your, what's your, what's your process? So I'm kind of 50, 50, <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty similar to you when it comes to wanting to put them out, you know, like first week of July or sometimes even like after 4th of July is kind of like when I like to put them out because at that point the deer have enough bone on their head that if you have last year's, you know, photos or Intel, you can, you can be pretty sure if that is the deer from last year, but prior to, you know, that first week of July, I mean, you're really guessing cause they can change a lot. Um, so typically I'm, I'm about the same as you. I like to put them out, you know, like after 4th of July or that week of 4th of July, something like that. But, you know, with the advances in my, modern science and my high level of income, you know, uh, cell cameras <coughs> that was ricky bobby quote that was horrible <laughs> no i got it dude and <laughs> okay you didn't say no that felt like an idiot but, no uh, no <laughs> <laughs> i knew where you were going <laughs> okay yeah i kind of stuttered but anyways the cell camera advances the technology um i was out on my farm a few weeks ago and i stuck some cell cameras out and um you know we don't put them out there too like you said you don't want to pressure them but at the same time marty at the farm you know i was replanting some corn at my farm so had the cell cameras in the ranger. I'm like, you know what? Might as well just stick them out, which is pretty cool. Cause I don't normally put them out this early. And, um, I have all last year's bucks all printed on a, a board in my office here. So I know I'm pretty sure which bucks made it through the year. And just looking at the cell camera and looking at the photos that are coming through, I'm pretty confident. I know probably at least 50% of the deer that I'm already getting pictures of this early in the year, which is pretty unique. I normally don't, I normally don't have, even have cameras out yet. So, um, yeah, it's pretty cool to, like I said, the cell camera thing is super non-intrusive if you have cell cameras sitting out there and because normally 4th of July, I'm out, you know, walking around my whole property, sticking cameras out, trying to get them. And then, you know, granted, I don't check them until September, but, um, the cell camera thing is huge. That's definitely changing the hunting game lately. It seems like. Yeah, no, I agree a hundred percent. And that's, I did a podcast a couple weeks ago with my buddy, Mitch about, we touched on cell cams and everything. And, and honestly, a lot of people that have been loyal listeners and listen to every episode, they know me and, and kind of how I use cell cams and everything. And I'm pretty new to the cell cam world, but I've always been the guy beforehand that like, I'd, I, I want to check my cameras all the time. And when I oh, got yeah. my first cell cam, it was like, it kept me out of the woods. Cause I was almost getting that fixed to my phone. Like, even if it wasn't like, bucks all the time they were deer like i could you know it was giving my fix so it like helped me stay the heck out of the woods but i would say definitely cell cams have you know they've slowed me down a little bit (laughs) in the fact of like just don't don't go in there you know yeah it gives you that you know instant gratification that fix uh you know, because like you said, when you're thinking about checking those cameras nonstop, 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 you don't know if like one's facing straight down at weeds, you know, did something knock it down, you know? Right. Or it's just that instant gratification. But ironically enough, I think it was last year or the year before, I used to use really cheap cameras. I used to use like Walmart, Wild Game Innovations. I think we've all been through that stage of trail cameras. Yep. 
And, um, I had so many of them, but they're just, you know, I'm not saying bad about them, but they just, after two years or three years, they just stop getting photos. They start wearing out, you know, they're kind of cheaper cameras. You get what you pay for. Um, so two years ago I was like, I'm going to start buying some better cameras, did a bunch of research. I was actually started buying those brownings. I think you even told me about those at that point. Yeah. Um, so I started buying those browning, I think they're pro HDXs. They're not like high end. They're more like middle of the road, you know, 150, 160 bucks. I wanted to buy something better than what I was using, something that's going to last more than a couple years. So I was buying, doing it on a budget, buying like one camera, two cameras a month, you know, trying to just rebuild my camera arsenal because I just dumped all those cheap cameras. Worked my way all the way up to like 10 brownings, but, you know, which isn't, it's not a lot, but it's not too bad. It took a long time, you know, to spend 150 bucks a camera to get 10 cameras. Can't just buy them all at once. You know, like I said, I was buying like one a month or, you know, just taking my time. And, uh, once I acquired all those, the cell camera phase came in and it was like cell camera, cell camera, <laughs> cell cameras. So I'm sitting with 10 brownings or however many brownings. And I, to this day, I just kicked myself in the ass, dude. If I just waited one more year to upgrade, I don't know if I would have bought any brownings. I think I would have bought all cell cameras. I kind of agree with you. I've still got, I'm, I'm in the same boat. I've got like a mixed bag of different cameras. As far as brands go, I've, I've tried a ton of different brands. Um, but now I have three cell cams and it's going to be hard for me to go back to any sort of like, you know, just regular camera. I do have a couple of cameras that are, you know, do really good video. And I love, I mean, if you can run a camera on video mode, you can learn so much about deer behavior in bedding areas and food sources and just, you know, you're basically a fly on the wall and it's really right. cool to learn that way as well. But I agree. I mean, to kind of go back to what you were just saying, I want to bring up false triggers. Like this is a time, you know, in June and July, weeds are growing like like weeds. I mean, they're growing every day. And they, it seems like you go weed whip them. It's like how many times do you trim your lawn? You know what I mean? Like you're, you're weed whipping around all the stuff. I mean, if you miss a week with not using a weed whip, I mean, they're a foot high. So, right. you know, that just you know, makes you go back to your cameras all the time too, I think. And, you know, using a weed whacker or a sickle or something like that to keep the weeds down. How are you combating? Like, what are some things you're doing to, to minimize those false triggers? If it's a weed or if, like, are you cutting most of the tree down? So, you know, cause you get a good windy day and like some of those leaves might come in front. Like, do you have a process that you know, basically you have X, Y, and Z that you have to, at every camera location, you're trying to like get everything back. So you're not getting 3000 pictures of a, of a branch. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I, so obviously this doesn't just happen overnight, especially, you know, if you've been hunting the same property for a long time, you kind of know where those good trail camera locations are going to be. You know, once you learn it and you put two, three, four years on a property, you know, even in the summertime where the bucks like to hang out or where the deer like to hang out. And you know, in the fall, roughly where the deer like to hang out. So you already have those good areas in mind that you want to stick these cameras. But as along with that, I've actually been using those, uh, HME, not the brand drop out care about the brand necessarily, but they're like a screw in camera mount. Yep. Like I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. I like those so much better than the straps. It just seems like you know, being a camera guy, filming stuff on tripods and having that little like tripod head on there and I can actually like aim it and look at the photo on the screen there and see exactly where it's at and there it's pretty like stiff. I feel like when birds land on it or something, it doesn't really wiggle. 
And, um, and then also, like you said, the weeds and stuff like that. I typically in the summer like to run my cameras, like on the edges of bean fields and stuff. So if I can find like a tree, you know, chest height or something that's up in a bean field, I know those beans are going to grow. I know, I know roughly how long it's going to take for those to grow. So I, I like to pick like an open area in, you know, a corner of a bean field, get that camera up like mid, mid height, maybe even eye level aiming just a little bit down, but really like chest height is where I like to put it. But out on a bean field on that trail camera mount. And typically I've had pretty good luck doing it that way, even with the cell cameras. Um, but yeah, in the past, I didn't, I didn't know no different, you know, I'd stick it on a stake or something and put it right there. And then the beans would be five foot high and all my pictures would be ruined. <laughs> yeah. But it's just something you learn, you know, year after year. I'm not an expert by no means, but I figured out a couple of little things that work. Now, you know, you mentioned bean fields. Is what are some areas right now that you're putting your cameras in right now in June and July to get, you know, the good pictures of bucks? Because, you know, you and I are in Michigan. We can't supplemental feed. We can't do mineral, and a lot right. of other states out there you can as well. So, like, how are you putting those cameras out? Where are you putting? What are those? you know, areas you're putting them in to get the best pictures of the bucks that you want to get. So I like to put them right now, the last couple of years in Michigan, cause we can't bait. I like to put them on, like, for example, I have one behind my house and I have a main runway that's coming off this clover alfalfa field that they hay every single year. And there's this main runway that comes off it. So I'll put it right on that runway. And it's kind of like a pinch point in my property. If you were to zoom way out, you can see there's a pinch point. And that pinch point going into that clover and alfalfa field, if the deer are going to cross through there, they're going to cross through that pinch point. So we can't use minerals. So I'm trying to like pinch down in those spots where I think that deer movement is going to be. So I, I have some right there. I also put uh, I have a cell camera on my farm right now on my bean field. And I also have one. I have a clover, a little tiny micro clover plot back on my property too. It's like a half acre, quarter acre, super small but it's clover and alfalfa and I have it on that as well. And that's like a really shaded area. So it seems like annually in the summertime, those bucks, especially like when that clover's growing, like early in the year, they just hammer that clover. Um, so I keep a camera on that as well, but more or less just pinch points, put it on some growing beans, watch the deer eat all my beans that are growing. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't have any left. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's, that's typically where I like to put cameras this time of year. That's also a good spot to do it. I, I typically, same kind of deal. If you got bean fields, like, you know, my one acre farm, a lot of ag. So definitely putting it on those, you know, I don't really have a choice to other to, than to put it on like an ag field or something, but I've got some inside corners. I've got some, a couple pinches that you've seen, um, that I really hone in on, but I have a, a spot that I call the summer trees and I just named it that like four years ago. There's a group of like, I don't even know what kind of trees they are. They're only 12, 15 foot high and they're kind of like overgrown bushes in a way, but there's like eight of them. And it's the only eight trees in this fence row that divide up two ag fields. And I started putting a camera there four years ago and literally every buck that I've said it before on here, every buck in the section will walk this fence row. And it's actually, they're like crab apple trees. Cause they're kind of, now that I think of it, there's like little crab apples, but they're perfect overhanging branches that they put a scrape at every year. So I like just started putting it on that. Every buck hits that. Everyone. That's awesome. So 
Now, it, it changes in the fall. I keep a camera there in the fall, but everything goes to dark in the fall because it's in the middle of the section and it's wide open field. You know, usually the crops are gone. And I like to put a cell cam there, though, like in the fall. So, like, if I get a picture of a buck, and I've this has happened to me before, if I get a picture of a shooter and it's late at night, I can tell, I, I almost know where he's going and what he's doing. So, I'm like, if he's going south, I know he's was just north where there's very good doe bedding and he was just over there checking that. So he's in the south. So if I get that picture, it can kind of like dictate where I go in a way. Like right. if I'm going to go hunt the next morning, I know he's going to make his loop again. Usually uh, I know it's not that cut and dry, but it's just a good spot. You don't, I might only get a hundred pictures a week, maybe on that spot, you know, and that's even kind right. of a lot. So that is like my biggest spot I would say that I get every buck in big woods section or areas you know up you know where you and I killed that turkey you know you've been to both my farms so it's they're vastly different that farm you know typically depending on the mass crop if it's a lot of acorns coming in there's a couple acorn or uh oak flats that we like to put stuff on um a couple pinches we got some inside corners of our hay field uh other than that like we do like to try to find some scrapes, some community scrapes that are there year after year. And those have really paid off, honestly, even in the summer months up there, just put it on the scrape. And, and a lot of those bucks will travel and hit those even in the summer. Not They're not pawing the dirt up or anything like that, but they're checking things out. They know it's there. Still They've terrible. been there before. Yeah. So hmm. that's something I've never done. I've never, me personally, I've never ran cameras on scrapes in the summertime. Okay. Um, that's just me personally. I know a lot of guys do, like you said, um, but I like to transition those cameras like off of food sources or offer those pinch points like first week of September. Okay. You know, first week of September, second week of September, when I know that they've hit them enough to maybe I can identify those areas now. And then also those leaves are more or less pretty much done growing. The grass is pretty close to done growing. So if I want to put one down on a scrape tree or aiming right at a scrape or something, I don't have to worry about, like you said earlier, um, weed whipping that down all summer trying to keep that because typically if they're scraping they're probably in a grassy area most likely like yep. on the edge of a field or edge of a you know food plot typically where there's gonna be a lot of weeds um but yeah that's that switch i like to make you know september first week of september or something yeah and i will say i'll go back and say i've done kind of experiments where i'll do like a mock scrape in the summer and then i'll put one on a scrape that is established and it's community scrape every year like there's you know you have those scrapes that there's just good every year. Yeah. That you're going to get bucks on every year. I will say I've had more success getting pictures on, on the ones that were community scrapes than the ones that I've made in the summer months. Um, okay. I have had a little more success doing that. Uh, and it could be just cause my intrusion too, you know, and just, I, I don't know. It, I've just, it, or it could be the area that it was in, you know? Um, but I, I do get better, better results on scrapes that are, already established that the deer made so for sure that's i mean you can't use mineral here so you got to use everything you can you know whether it's a scrape or a pitch point or a field edge or um but it really comes down to like having that you know annual knowledge like you know last year you know oh i got pictures here or oh they were using this corner more even if it's in the background a hundred yards off the field they're like why are they using that spot i need to get a camera there yep 
sometimes it takes just those couple years to figure out why deer are moving where they're moving and then adjust your cameras accordingly. For sure. So right now it's June 17th. We're recording this. This is going to drop on June 22nd. So in a couple days, where are your bucks at right now? Like, can you, can you identify, like, how are, how are you identifying bucks that you could see from year to year right now? How are they as far as like age? Is that what you're talking about? No, how, how, like, how distinct are their racks right now? Like, how can you tell that, uh, they are bucks that you've had in the past? So I have a couple bucks right now, um, in particular that I'm hunting. One was, uh, just a two and a half year old. He honestly could have been a three and a half year old, eight point, just a mainframe eight point, just our total Michigan eight point. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Yep. It's probably a hundred inches, maybe 80 to a hundred inches. And, um, he busted up all of his shit last year, broke off his twos and threes and he was scary looking. Um, but he just had that total picture perfect eight point rack and, so I was kind of on the lookout for him this, this year. I want to see what he's going to turn into. If he does hit that three or four year old mark, I can't tell for sure how old he is, but he's going to probably get a little bit bigger this year. Okay. Um, so I put the camera on that clover plot, which is where I also got him last year in velvet in this clover plot in this real dark spot. They like to eat that clover back there. Got pictures of him. I mean, within three days of putting that camera out and that camera went out, Oh, probably 15, 16 days ago. And I didn't know it was him, you know, cause it's super early. The velvet was probably just barely up to his ears. He was yep. the width of his ears right there. But now, but now he has, you can tell he's going to be a mainframe eight point. He has nice big brows. Like he, they're, they're a lot farther than I thought they would be along right now. They're, okay. they're growing pretty good. So that buck last year when he broke up, when was the last time you had any confirmation that he was around and you know, that you saw him and you're like, oh, well he might make it through. Like when was that? So that deer was the most regular deer I've had on my farm in a long time. I had pictures of him on, in velvet. I had pictures of him in October. I had pictures of him in November. Had him through gun season all the way into December. And then I thought I was going to be able to kill him in December because he started daylighting in December. Um, and I hunted that deer really hard in December. And uh, he would come in with like eight does. He'd be like eight does and him. And it was like, you know, mid-December. And he would just, when I would hunt him, all the does would come out and I'd be on pins and needles waiting for him to come out. He would never come out. And then I have in the cell camera, I'd get home an hour later, he'd be out and eating in the field that dark. Smart. I knew that deer was going to live through the year and I got pictures of him all the way into January and then into February. Um, Let's see here. If I had the date on this picture, I could tell you, but this is like almost into spring when the snow is melting, he's still holding his headgear. Um, but I got pictures. I knew 110% sure him and two other deer that I were hunting made it through the season. So he's um, a homebody. He lives right there. Lives right there, dude. And it's, I mean, I get pictures of him right now. Like it seems like every day, if not every day, it's every two days. And I think it's cause my farm, it's only a 20 acre farm in Michigan here, but it's pretty diverse. It's broke up between, uh, fields, bean fields that I've planted and I've cut out. It's got hardwoods. It's got oaks. It's got a big pond on it. It's probably got an acre pond. And in the summertime, everything greens up, gets super thick. And it's just like a summertime buck sanctuary. I see a lot of bucks in the summertime on my property. They say that's bad. But honestly, I get so many bucks in there. I think it's just because it's, like I said, there's food, water, cover. There's growing crops. There's everything they need right there. I don't think these bucks are moving but 20 yards to walk by my camera. That's crazy. So, yeah. I mean, if you had to call your shot, where are you going to kill him this year? Ooh, man. 
Oh, dude, he was hard to hunt last year, so that's what scares me about this year. Um, man, I don't know. I really don't know. Um, I was hunting him last year. I, I really wasn't hunting him as much as I was hunting the other buck he was with. The other buck that he was with did get killed, like opening day of gun season. He was a 140-inch nine-point. Wow. Yeah, big. You know, big mainframe eight, but with split brows, and I had, you know, two years of pictures of him, and he got killed. So after that deer died, I just switched from hunting that deer to this deer. Um, but typically, he was running about the same stuff as that bigger one was. I'll have to go back and really dissect those photos now because I want to know – what that deer is doing this year based off last year's show cam yeah. data, which I have, I have everything saved. Every good picture I have of them, I have them in a folder. And then the really good pictures and dates I'm staring at it right now in my office. I have them actually printed off, wrote down with a Sharpie, two year old, eight point seven year old or seven, seven point two year old, you know, busted up eight. Like I have them all super organized, which I seen something like you had something similar at your family farm there. Yep. Um, back when you were, you know, aging your deer and stuff, it's, it's super help. It's a pain in the butt, but at the same time, like right now, I'm so glad I did it. Watching those bucks grow in velvet, I can look back to last year and see. I know it. It's I like doing it just because I geek out on it. But you know, I like trying to put a put a um, an age to it. You know, it's really hard to do it on the hoof and through a trail cam photo in Michigan. It is. But I like to try to do it, and and we printed them off for a long time. I haven't done it in a few years, but I think it's because my life's been so chaotic, and I, you know, selling a house, living in a temporary house, and you know, once the house gets built, and I got actually where I'm going to be forever, <laughs> I can somewhere uh, to hang the photos. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm building a room in my basement that's all hunting related. It's going to have like my bow press, all my archery stuff, my gun stuff, camo, everything. It's like a designated room and i'm like that'd be kind of cool to like hang all the photos on the walls in there and you know year to year of the farm that i live on that'd be kind of neat to do so maybe yeah, we'll do that it is it's very cool man it's uh i I, ha- I haven't did it as much as i wanted to i did it like five years ago I'm like i'm gonna print all these pictures off and then the, you know four years following i just never got around to it and then last year i jumped back on the train i'm like all right i know what deer lived so i just want to go through and print them all off Yep. And, uh, I'm glad, I'm glad that I did another buck that I know made it through the year. There was a, a seven point, um, that Nick Kohili went out when we doe hunted and, uh, he passed his seven point. I probably would have shot him. He's probably like a 95 inch, hundred inch seven point. Uh, it looks like he's got a nice body, like probably good, good two and a half year old. Mm-hmm. And, gotcha. um, he, he lived through the year. Nick could have shot him. And then I saw him once right after dark, um, and I'm pretty sure I got a picture of him this year too, because his his right side, um, his a split brow now on that side. Nice. So I'm thinking that's him because you know if he only had that one brow tie, and now this year it's the same situation, but it's like bigger and split. I'm gonna I'm gonna guess that that was probably him. Good deal. Yeah, you're gonna kill something on this far, that farm this year, I think. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> you put too much time and and money and sweat equity into that farm to not kill something. <laughs> Dude, I know. With that being said, it, it took me 11 years to kill a buck off of that farm in Michigan. No kidding. Yep, 11 years. I hunted that farm for a very long time. But early early on in my, I would say, hunting career, it's not a career, but you know what I'm trying to say. Yep. Uh, I was just stuck in that big buck craze, you know, kind of kind of like you were a little bit. It's like, oh, if he's not 130, I'm not shooting him. So I didn't, I didn't shoot nothing for <laughs> eight years or something. Now, in retrospect, I'd go back and shoot shoot a lot differently. Yep. 
Yeah, but, it's all, it's all right. It's it's all about what you want to do and what you want to accomplish, and you know anything that makes yourself happy, indulge, man. Do it, do it up. You know how I, where yeah. I come from on that. We've talked about that a lot. So, oh yeah, that's for sure. Hey, how many cameras do you have out right now? <clears throat> I have one, two, three at my farm, and I think one or two, one at my house right now. So I have, I have four cameras running right now that are all cell cameras. Are you, do you want more out right now? Are you trying to like get us, are you trying to go like full regalia right now? Or like you just kind of ease into it? So my thought process now is the cameras that are out now are just because I was going to drive the Ranger past those locations. Okay. And then when I add more cameras will be when I go in to spray my beans. Um, I want to spray the beans at my farm and behind my house here in the next probably a few weeks. When I spray those, I'm going to take some more of those brownings out and stick those cameras out. It's it's one of those things a lot like deer hunting. If you're going to walk by a spot, then check your trail camera. Yeah. Don't go out of your way to check it, if that makes sense. Yep. So if I'm going to drive out there, spray my beans, and drive around in the ranger for an hour, that's that time I want to go in there and set that camera up. I, I don't want to make a specific trip out there just to stick cameras up because I got four cell cameras running. I feel like that's showing me at least 50% of the deer that are on that farm because it's not very big. Um, and behind my house, I feel like I have a pretty good idea, but when it comes to spraying the beans, I'm going to be out there. I'm definitely going to be adding a lot more cameras that I, like I said, I probably won't check until maybe September or something. Right. What what about you? Do you got any out? I have, well, I have three out right now and that is all for surveillance (laughs) for for humans on my house. (laughs) Anybody listen to this? Anybody listen to this? If you go, if you know where I'm building and you're trying to steal something, I've got three cell cams that I know within 30 seconds that whoever's there, (laughs) you you wouldn't be surprised, man. How many people that are just nosy and pull up in my driveway at like seven 30, eight o'clock in the afternoon just like gawking at the house. I had some Amish pull up in there in their horse and buggy uh, the other day and just checking oh, they, it out. Just like, hey, what's going on up here? You know? Yeah, they're checking out your wood. They know that's the price of gold right now. <laughs> yeah. They're like, oh, uh, Ezekiel, go grab a two by four. Yeah. <laughs> no, I've got uh, a couple foxes on camera up there uh, in the yard just because um, there's a den. There's There's three pole barns right like right by my house and uh the biggest pole barn they have a den underneath of it so and there's a family so uh there's been a couple foxes running through there but honestly i've been up there so much i've I've been working on it we started it basically doing it all myself my dad and i and my father-in-law and i you know every night and weekend for the last two weeks I've been up there. So I, I'm physically seeing the deer with my own eyes at night. Cause we're working from like six o'clock at night till like 10 till it gets dark, you know, and I get to see a lot of movement and I've seen some bucks come out, um, doing the same things that they would be doing in any other year. Uh, but no, I haven't had any cameras out. Honestly, I feel terrible saying it. Haven't really even thought about it to be honest with you until the other day <laughs> when I saw that buck and he was, he was as wide as his ears. And he hadn't start come, started like turning in yet, so I'm like, okay, I, pr- I probably need to get a camera out here and about, about that time. <laughs> <laughs> I need to start seeing, uh, seeing that. I've just had, I've been so hyper focused on work, and then my house, nothing right. else other than that, and family, you know, but like nothing other than that. And hunting has been kind of taking a back burner, to be honest with you. So, but 
uh, we're getting ready to go on vacation next week. So I'm thinking if I can get some cameras around and just get them out, like those summer trees I was talking about, I need to get one out there. If I, if I can get that camera out on that farm, I'll be fine because I know I'll get every picture within the first week of a buck uh, or every buck yeah. that I want to see. So I was going to ask you, how do you think uh, your house being right there is going to affect your hunting being that close? You know, I don't know, man. It's, it's pretty far away, which, you know, from like the one acre, you know, my house is for people listening. My house is kind of on the Southwest corner of the property and the one acre is on the Northeast corner. So it's like complete opposite of an 80 acre section. Um, so we've had a generator running and, you know, saws and, and nailers and all that stuff like that. And they don't care you know, from a distance, like they'll look up at you, but they just go back to feeding. So the only thing I'm, I'm, I can't wait to see is that there's a fence row just South of my house that the last two years in like the pre-rut, like those last two weeks of October in daylight bucks run it like crazy. And it's only about at the most, maybe a hundred yards from the house at the most it's probably in that like 70 to hundred yard range. I'm interested. I'm going to be interested to see if, if the bucks still use it the same way once we're there all the time and living there. I don't know. Right. So I bet, I bet you they will. I bet you they will. I have a similar situation at my farm in Montrose out there, 20 acres. And there's like eight apple trees planted right down the side yard. Yep. So I'm like 20 acres is past the railroad tracks is like landlocked. So it's kind of like woodlot to woodlot. Kind sure. Of what you got going on, dude. And it seems like clockwork in the middle of the day. I don't know why, but these deer will run either out of my property or out of the neighbor's property, like two, three o'clock in the middle of the day. And that's, they run through these apple trees and they just, they cross the road right there. It's like, they're going to cross some weird spots, but if they have somewhere to go, that's where they're going. Yeah. And that's <laughs> something too, that eventually you know, it probably won't, it obviously won't be this year, probably next summer or something like that. Uh, we're going to want to plant some trees in, on the, in the yard and everything, because right now there's only one established tree. We've taken out all the other ones just because they were old, gnarly, like pine trees. And there used to be an old farmhouse there and took all that out. So somebody did live there before, but oh. so I, I want to plant some trees and maybe like along the ag field you know, kind of break up the ag field to our house. So I don't know. We'll see. I I, I do want to put an apple tree in my yard though. (laughs) (laughs) Get some bucks eating off it. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah. So no, well, it'll be interesting. You know, it's already, they're already kind of getting used to it. And, and last year, all the windmills went up around us. So it really kind of moved the deer around. It wasn't like a switch, like turned it off. But it did move the deer around the section um, a little yeah. differently. It was definitely different than the years prior. But now that the windmills are up, established, and and they're really not working on them anymore, um, I'm 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 anxious to see if that movement comes back to when it was like before. So we'll see that. Right, dude. If I were you, I would do like what I just did in my backyard. Did you see that I planted like an acre of corn? Yep. Yep. Like right past my pool. That's because I'm just trying to like build a wall, like to hide my house <laughs> from where I'm deer hunting because I'm hunting so close. Yep. 
if I were you, I would literally just, I mean, you got ag field all the way around you, plant a, a row or two of corn all the way around your whole house. Yeah. Well, the good thing is every other year it's going to be corn. So yeah, I can have my brother-in-law just, uh, just make it for me and I don't have to pay for it. <laughs> <laughs> Shit we do for deer. <laughs> oh, it's, it's unbelievable, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Everyone's like, why are you planting corn right there? I'm like, to hide my house. And they're like, from what? I'm like, from the deer. So they can't see me. And they're like, you're crazy. <laughs> <laughs> oh it is it is crazy what we do for deer how much money we drop on deer how much time and effort and thinking we put into deer it's it's fascinating really it is don't add it up it'll freak you out yeah i'll, I'll never add up that price never no, not one time you don't want to know no nope. don't want to know nope <laughs> well hey I, I really enjoyed this conversation it's a little shorter than usual but i, I you know i just called you an hour and go said hey let's do this because i know you you're into cameras and you've been running running a few already and i wanted to pick your brain on it um is there anything that we didn't cover that you kind of like find fascinating or something that you might do differently with your cameras in the summer that not a lot of other people do um not specifically um we didn't really get into like the brands or anything too much um i don't think i'm doing anything that really is super special you know what i mean i think the stuff i'm doing is pretty standard but um what about you is there anything crazy you're doing or no um and this might be not nothing new to other people but i've uh last two years i've been getting a lot of ants in my cameras in the summer and and eating away at everything well i figured out and this is for the guys from exodus um uh, jake and chad i kind of took something out of their handbook but they tape up the microphone opening or the microphone on the they'll put like masking tape or something on the microphone because that's like yeah that's like an easy route into the camera and when i heard them say that i'm like yep i'm doing that like that was that was a cool little hack you know, cause cool. it, I, I don't know how else they get into the camera because they're all sealed pretty tight. Um, I would say that's yeah. probably other than, other than that, I will say a lot of people like to put their cameras up high and facing down. I started doing that and I feel like I'm missing a lot of deer and it could be something that I'm doing and it probably is. It's probably not the camera's fault, but I feel like it's a lot of inconsistency when the cameras are up higher uh, and shooting down, but that's just, right. so mainly I'm like that hip to neck height. You know what I mean? Is kind of where I, that, that sweet spot. And I don't like yep. to like, and you talked earlier about, uh, putting a camera on a trail. I like to shoot down a trail. I never face it like right at the trail where, you know, I, I want to see the deer coming at me or away from me, if that makes sense. Yep. Makes perfect sense. So that, yep. that would be Something. the only thing there. Something that I did take away from uh, the Exodus guys, I follow them on YouTube. Um, they were talking about like winterizing your trail cameras. I watched a little quick video, which was pretty interesting. Yep. And he was talking about how you take all your, your batteries out, you know, wipe it with like a cloth. Uh, I think it was like just like a lens cloth or maybe like rubbing alcohol, something like that. Clean your camera all out, get the, you know, lenses clean, everything clean, put your batteries on a bag. And, um, and then he had those little, uh, pouches that come in like a package that keep it from moisture getting in your camera. Okay. You know what I'm talking about? Yep. yep. And he'd put one of those in there and he'd put his cameras away for the winter. And I watched that and I was like, holy crap, I'm so doing that because uh, how many cameras have went to junk because they got moisture in them or a battery exploded or something like that. So I've, I've gotten the habit just because watching that video, 
pull all my batteries out, put them all in a bag, wipe the cameras down and, and put them away for the winter. Cause I'm after shed season, like that's like typically when I pull my cameras down, you know, I want to see when the bucks drop their antlers after that. I don't really care until this time of year. Yeah. So for there sure. is a long period, long period. I'm not really having cameras out. So I want those cameras to last as long as I can. So taking the batteries out and if you're running the lithium, they're over a dollar a battery. But, dude, I mean, you can get almost two years out of a set of lithiums if, if you take them out of your camera and store them properly and then put them back in this year. Yeah. No, I agree. And that's something I've had happen to me in the past is leaving the batteries in the camera all year, even if they're stored, you know, at home. I've had a battery explode on me and didn't know it. And it corroded, like, all the connections in the camera. And yep. the camera was junk. Yeah, from what it sounds like, that's that's how they go bad. Leaving batteries in them, leaving moisture in them, not cleaning them. I mean, you pull them out of the environment that's been sitting for six, eight months. It's been rained on, snowed on, frozen, and you throw it in a five-gallon bucket, and you take it out next year and expect it to work. Like, why would it work? Exactly, yeah. <laughs> you know, so I never even had that, you know, registration in my mind to, to do that until I watched that video they posted. So that was super cool. Yeah, those guys are doing awesome things. Like, I love the content they're putting out. The Exodus guys, they do a lot of stuff on YouTube and and uh, they, they know their shit about cameras, man. It's just like that little stuff right there, taking a little step further to really maximize your investment and keep the longevity of those cameras up, just taking care of them. Right. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's super cool. Good info. Yeah, definitely. Well, cool, man. I'm going to cut it off right there and I'm going to remind everybody. Well, first of all, I'm going to say thank you for coming on and doing this in short notice. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> but I want to tell everybody, thank you for all the downloads and support. And if you guys could go to iTunes, leave a five-star rating and leave a written review, that'd be greatly appreciated. So Tyler, thank you very much again, man. And I know we're going to do this eventually again, because you know, we're just, I just like bullshitting with you. <laughs> You're welcome, man. I had fun. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. No problem. Thank you guys, everybody, again. And don't forget, we'll be right here next week on The Fall Podcast. After years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by overpriced wireless providers, if we've learned anything, it's that there's always a catch. So when I heard that Mint Mobile wireless plans are $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan, I thought, what's the catch? But after talking to them, it all made sense. There isn't one. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they sell wireless service online. They cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet savings directly to you. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com waypoint. That's mintmobile.com waypoint. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com waypoint. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details.